All right, church family, if you guys are thankful to be in God's house this morning, let's give him another hand. Come on. Good to see you. Good to see you. If somebody's doing the rain dance, please stop. It worked. We got enough. We're good. We're in this series, Church Signs, basically, where we're looking at these phrases that a lot of us grew up going to churches or around churches where we had these marquees outside the building. And they put these sayings on there as a means of trying to draw attention, trying to encourage people to maybe come inside and check out what's going on. But we're also talking about some of the misconceptions that might be developed around some of these phrases. And so last week we looked at the phrase, don't make me come down there, sign God. And talked about the misconceptions that we could have because of that phrase and God's heart for us, his desire to be around us, not just looking down from heaven, from the distant cosmos, looking for an opportunity to come down and punish us or discipline us, but in fact that he wants to be in constant covenant relationship with us every day. Before we get to the phrase we're looking at today, let's look at some more that we found on the internet. Here's the first one. Give Satan an inch and he will become your ruler. Like a ruler, like it's, okay, Uh, we're moving on. Okay, what is missing from Chicha? You are. Church, you're missing. Okay, we'll keep going. Free beer, just kidding, free Jesus. Some of you had like an awkward laugh because you love that idea. You're like, yes, that is how we will win the loss to Jesus. We would never get the license. Blah, blah, blah. Just come to church. I like that one a lot. I'm just like, okay, fine. Just come. Okay, this next one. This one's so bad. Honk if you love Jesus. Text if you want to meet him. (laughs) So let's take a look at today's. God answers knee mail. It's like like email, but knee Okay, well, that's the one we're talking about. We're going to be talking about prayer today, prayer, and uh, the importance of understanding what prayer is, what it isn't, and the misconceptions that a lot of us may have developed around our lives in reference to conversation with God. The Word talks about prayer in many instances as being an act of knocking on a door. Keep knocking, knocking on door. We're going to look at some of that scripture today. But I find that when it comes to knocking on doors and people knocking on the doors of our homes, we all handle that a little bit differently, right? Like when people knock on our doors, depending on what we're doing, we we might have some different tendencies of whether or not we're going to respond or how we respond. Any young family that has had babies before and it is nap time and some person comes and knocks on your door, or just straight up ignores the little post-it note that says, baby, sleeping, go away. And they start knocking. And that invokes some violent feelings inside of us as parents. If the baby wakes up, right? How many of you, let's just be honest, somebody's knocked at your door before, come knocking at your door, and you just pretended like you weren't home. Come on, let's just be honest around here. Okay, now your friends are looking at you like, I thought you were home. I thought uh, I knew you were in there. I know that happened to us a couple of times growing up. I remember being a young kid, and at this one point, these people came walk, were walking through the yard. And it was always exciting because we usually lived outside of town. So if we had guests, somebody just coming up, we, we were always excited about it. But I remember seeing these people coming up the driveway and getting out of the cars and starting to come in. And my dad's like, guys, everybody hide. Everybody hide. Turn off the light. Everybody be quiet. Be quiet. I'm like, Dad, this is weird. Like, 
What's going on? It's like, kids, Christ, Jehovah's Witnesses. We're just going to pretend we don't, we ain't got time for this today. Because I don't know about your parents, but my parents, man, they would get into some long conversations with people who come knocking on the door. And so uh, I don't know what it's like for you. I know for me in my house, typically I answer the door at our house for a couple reasons. One, because I'm a man, right? I protect my family. There's no telling what kind of crazy person is coming to our door. The other reason is if somebody is selling something and Cody answers the door, we're going to own it. We're going to buy it. But baby, they're just trying to go to college. I'm like, yeah, aren't they all? And, uh, and the, here's a great example. How many of y'all experienced the people going around selling the miracle cleaning product of all time? Like, all right, a $60 bottle of cleaning solution. $60. Well, one day I wasn't home. I'm convinced they were tracking my movements to figure out when I was home and not home. And when I was not home, they came knocking. Cody was there. I remember getting the phone call, babe. I, I bought a $60 bottle of cleaning product, which is not great because that's way too much to be spending for anything. But this, this is the way the Lord works, okay? And this is when the Lord says that he will work all things for good for those who love him or are called according to his purpose. When the word says that he'll take weakness and turn it into a strength, the Lord used my wife's weakness to give us a strength because those people keep coming back. But now all I got to do is I just grab the bottle, take it to the door, show it to them, and then slam the door in their face and walk off because that's supposed to last till Jesus comes back, right? And they're supposed to be able to dilute it down and use it in everything. And, and so that, that's a blessing that I don't, ever, I, can't, I don't need to buy anymore. I already have it, $60. For a bottle of cleaning solution. So we use it on everything. The kids brush their teeth with it. The, they <laughs> wash their hair. I'm joking, we don't do that. Please don't report us. Uh, but all of us have had a tendency to be in a place where we didn't want to answer the door. I'm sure at one point or another. And I find that a lot of times when I'm seeking God, I can feel this way. I can feel like, God, I am knocking. I'm knocking where are you? I know for me, there's been times when I feel like I'm knocking and God's just pretending like he's not home. Like, Jesus, angels, be quiet. It's James again. He's going to come wear us out with another long drawn out prayer about something he needs us to do. Like this conception that somehow God is going to be ignored, uh, annoyed with me. And so he's not going to answer the door. And there's been times I'm just like, God, where are you? Well, I'll bet a lot of us can relate to that. Let me ask you this. How many of you have been asking and praying about something really important that God still hasn't answered your prayer? You can raise your hand in church. Even if you're raised Presbyterian, you can raise your hand in church. Okay. Now leave your hand up if you've been praying about that for at least six months. Keep your hand up if you've been praying about it for a year. How about five years? How about 10 years? Okay, my hand's still up. There's been some things in my life. There's something right now that to this day, I've been praying about it for over 10 years and God still has not answered my prayer. Mine's around the subject of family, specific family members. And, I, and I, to this day, I, I still haven't gotten a clear answer. 
Job understood how this was. In Job 30, 20, it says, I cry out to you, O God, but you do not answer. Look, if you want to read up on somebody that had all the reasons in the world to be knocking, asking God for stuff in prayer, it was Job. If you ever feel like your life is really difficult and you're struggling in life, go read Job. It'll give you some perspective. But he understood this. And I think a lot of us can relate to that. Some of us are praying for healing in our body. God still hasn't answered that prayer. Or or we have a family member that we want to come to Jesus. That hasn't happened yet. Or a child who's struggling with depression. And we keep knocking and keep asking God to move. Or some of us are praying for our parents' marriage. Just praying that our parents would fall back in love with each other. Some of us are praying that that you could get pregnant. It's this strong desire in the husband and the wife. Just God, give us a baby. Maybe God hasn't answered that prayer yet. Some of us are just praying for purpose, a passion, just something to, to go after because we just feel like we're spinning our wheels, not going anywhere. Some of us are praying for just a friend, just a real authentic friend, just a, a real relationship with someone. So people say when God closes a door, he opens another. Well, what happens when he's not opening any other doors? What do we do when it feels like he's locked every door on the house? What do you do when God doesn't answer your email, your prayers? I want to talk about some misconceptions about prayer, specifically misconceptions about unanswered prayer. Because one of the things you may think is you may think that you don't have enough faith. That's a misconception about unanswered prayer. We know that faith is important. We know that it's the basis of our belief in God. But to feel that every time your prayers go unanswered, it's because you just didn't believe hard enough is a major misconception. Because the word says if you have faith the size of a mustard seed... And if you've ever seen that, it's like the smallest seed that produces a large tree. But if you have faith that size, you can say to mountains, be removed into the sea and it can happen. It's clearly not how much faith you have. It's however much faith you have, placing it in the hand of a capable God and letting him move and just trusting him with it. But a lot of us have this misconception. And and I've known people, look, chock full of faith. I have a friend that has a special needs child and they've been praying for years and years. This child has to have full-time nurse assistants, can do nothing for themselves and they've been praying and keep believing that God could still heal their child. It hasn't happened. But they have tons of faith. I have prayed personally with with incredibly spiritual and faithful people that, that the wife would be healed of cancer and it didn't happen and she passed away has nothing to do with how much faith I had, though. It had nothing to do. And, but the problem is, too often, this idea could be projected on people. And I just, I just want to ask you to never project this on someone. I think the reason why sometimes it happens is because of insecurity. I think it happens because we're constantly trying to wrap our minds or our effort or our ability around how God works. In other words, it's just us trying to control God. And I've had people that after tragedy has happened, like literally after they lost a loved one, a loved one passed away and they said, well, they may not have passed away if you would have just had more faith. 
Can you believe that? But that is a major, major misconception. Another misconception, you aren't worthy. You're not worthy. Like you're not spiritual enough, or you're not just close enough to God, you don't know enough Bible verses. You didn't go to Awanas growing up, so you haven't memorized a bunch of scripture. Or maybe you're doing good now, but in your past life, you, you, you had a lot of sin. And even though you love the Lord now, your sin in the past has disqualified and made you unworthy for him to hear your prayer. And so you sit around asking, what's wrong with me? Has God forgotten about me? Another misconception is you're in sin. That's the reason why God's not answering. You're in sin. And sometimes that's the very first thought. Like, what, what have I done? It's never a bad idea to confess sin to God. It's never a bad idea to do that. But, but you don't have to make stuff up. And I feel like a lot of times that's what happens. Like, you, you pray, and God's not answering your prayer. So you just start kind of hyperventilating, freaking out. Like, God, what did I do? What did I, oh, I mean, I know I, kept, I, I cussed in my head at that guy going down 167. But he deserved it. And, but I'm sorry. And if that's what's keeping you from, from answering my prayer, please forgive me. Just because God is silent doesn't mean that you're in sin or far, or far from God or even far from God's will. We took a, a poll this last week. I asked a question on Facebook, just asking them, how does it make you feel when your prayers are unanswered? Man, we, it was amazing the response we got. I think it was close to like 180 comments. And I'm so thankful that people are just being honest and being real, being genuine it also became very clear that it's, it's good that we're talking about this. Because here's some of the things, some of the feelings that people have. They feel anxious, unheard, impatient, unworthy, confused, frustrated, forgotten, exhausted, broken, out of control, curious, disappointed, sad, lost, uneasy, or they're being punished. But none of these lead to life. And these feelings lead to shame and guilt and ultimately it demotivates you from belief. It demotivates you from hope and believing that God can still move and that God is good. Thankfully, the Bible talks about this and there's a lot of scripture that encourages us around the subject of prayer and perseverance in prayer. I want to go to one of those texts. In Luke 11, chapter 11, verse 5, it says, Then teaching them more about prayer, Jesus teaching. He used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit and I have nothing for him to eat. Okay, stop right there. Who in the world wants to eat three loaves of bread at midnight, like in the middle of the night? Like this is some major carb loading issues. Like, these people, they need to watch Dr. Oz to get straightened out. Like, this is really unhealthy behavior, okay? And then put it on their friends, like, hey, man, I usually eat three loaves of bread at midnight, so I don't see any bread here. Do you mind scurrying off and finding me some real quick? So he shows up at this friend's house and says, suppose he calls out from his bedroom, okay, the guy in the house. Okay, I don't want you to throw your spouse under the bed, but how many of y'all, like, you get up to get something from the kitchen and your spouse is yelling at you from the bedroom that they want you to bring them something, okay? Or let's just say this. You have a kid who loves to yell from their bedroom at you to bring them stuff, okay? I'm 
house. Nuh-uh. No. We are not going to put up with that. You don't get to yell from your bed in your bedroom to get me stuff. This guy's just being lazy. Don't bother me. The door is locked for the night and my family and I are all in bed. I can't help you. But I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. And so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. But this story is just setting up like this crazy extreme situation of a friend who needs something but needs it at an inconvenient time and needs something that seems relatively weird. And another person who seems to be very unwilling to do anything, calling from their bed to leave them alone. But as you have this disparity between these two people and what's being asked for and the willingness to help, it's just saying this. If a friend who is that unwilling eventually will answer and give you what you're asking for, how much more will your heavenly father who sent his son Jesus, how much more will he be willing if you keep seeking, if you keep knocking? To knock, the definition is to strike a surface noisily to attract attention. So we got some phrases around that. Knock on wood, knock your socks off, knock it off. We have knock, knock jokes. My house just gets way out of hand. So we, we tell a knock, knock joke, and all of a sudden my kids think they're professional joke writers. So they try to make up their own knock, knock jokes, and I have not heard one yet that was funny. It's embarrassing, quite honestly. But they're cheesy, right? Just for cheese factor, let's just do one here in church, okay? Knock, knock. Everyone has to participate. Knock, knock. Old lady. I didn't know you could yodel. Old lady. And everyone that's laughing the loudest, we did this to point you out. I'm joking, sort of. How many of you remember Three's Company? Three's Company? Come and knock on our door. We'll be waiting for you. Open the door, Jack's standing there in those shorts, completely inappropriate. No one should ever have to view those shorts on a man. But they are coming back. Which is just more proof that we are living in the last days and Jesus must be returning soon when that kind of evil is happening in our culture and society. Ugh. Out, that just, just shouldn't be a thought in anybody's brain. I believe that the reason why so many prayers go unanswered is because people just simply stop knocking. They stop praying. The one thing I know without a shadow of a doubt is God answers knock doors. He does answer them. And it's the people that keep knocking and keep asking and keep seeking that God ultimately responds to. You think about how it goes with your kids. Your kid's asking you for something. I know if my kids come to me and ask me for a piece of candy, my my initial response is always going to be yes until I look at Cody and she gives me a look 
that could kill. Like, no, you can't, you can't, no, the kids can't have candy. But then the kids know what parent to ask, right? If they can have candy. So they'll just wait until the look of death is gone. Mom's not around. And then they'll just start wearing you down. Start wearing you down. And eventually the fear of Cody is superseded by the look of utter hopelessness in my child's eyes. That they need the candy. They need it. They can't make it without the candy. And they keep asking until eventually they wear me down. And I give it to them. Because I am a good dad. (laughs) If you do that kind of stuff for your kids, how much more is your heavenly father willing to give you stuff? And a lot of times our motives... Our kids' motives are certainly not in the right place. (laughs) And we're not great parents. We're broken. We make plenty of mistakes. But I do believe that sometimes the Lord is just looking to see who's going to persist. Who's going to keep believing. Who's going to keep knocking. Who's going to keep seeking. A lot of times, though, we don't like the answer. He's not always going to answer the way that we like. Sometimes God answers yes. Sometimes he answers yes, but not now. Sometimes he answers yes, but not in that way. And sometimes he answers no. And a lot of times we we don't like the answer. Sometimes we just need to stop and do what Garth Brooks did and thank God for unanswered prayers. Okay, Facebook helped give a revelation of this. Because how many of y'all, you know you did this. You're on Facebook one day and you see some old girlfriend or boyfriend that you thought you were going to marry. And you thank Jesus that he rescued you. (laughs) Because as you are thumbing through their profile, you've never seen so many pictures of kittens and puppies and other little cute animals that they are obsessed about. And they just communicated that after getting out of prison, it's really great to get back on their feet, stuff like that. And you're just like, God, you are good. Thank you. Sometimes you just need to thank God for his silence. You need to thank God for his no. Thank God for his timing. And sometimes when he answers and you don't like what he has to say, You're like, whatever, Father, let me talk to Jesus. I want a second opinion on this. Like, Holy Spirit, you guys get in here. God the Father, I don't don't know what happened to you today, but I want to get an answer that I like. But prayer can be extremely frustrating. Why? Because we're here on earth, stuck, asking for things that we feel like we need or we just want. And when we don't hear anything back, it's difficult. I want to talk about some potential benefits of unanswered prayer. And the reason why I say potential is because I believe the potential of it is completely up to us. If we can see these concepts, I believe that they can be a huge benefit to us. They are a potential benefit. If we can see it this way. First one is this. Unanswered prayer deepens our relationship with God. 
prayer is a lot less about something we need and a lot more about someone we need. But a lot of times we're really fixated on the something. I have a tendency to only pray to God when we're in an emergency, when we need something. God, I'm broke. God, I need some money. Help me. God, if you answer this prayer just this once, I will never ask you for this ever again. God, if you'll do it, I'm just desperate. I need you to answer. Please give this to me. You have to understand, God is not a genie in a bottle. God is not a wishing well. God is interested in having relationship. And what God is interested in is always walking with him, not just when we need something. To be in his presence. The man in this story, he said, I have nothing to give. It's often when we have nothing that we draw to our knees in prayer. That's what I find. I know that's when I'm in that spot, I'm just done. I'm empty. I'm spent. A lot of times that's what draws me to my knees in prayer. But the thing is this, if God just gives me everything I want when I ask him for it, then I'll wind up using God. And there's not one relationship in your life that is healthy that operates that way. I, I can't think of anybody that just loves being used. Well, God wants a genuine and real relationship. And so, no, he doesn't always give you everything that you ask for. A lot of times our prayers go unanswered as an opportunity for us just to have a better relationship with God, to draw closer to him. John 15, five says this, yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. A lot of times we're operating in life, not walking with God and stuff. But when we need something in a situation, then we're, God, help me do this. I need you to do this. God wants a genuine relationship on a consistent basis. The the fact is, in my life, the most meaningful times that I've ever had with God has been when I have been desperate for him to do something supernatural. So you know what I try to do? Just stay desperate. Stay desperate. Stay in a place, and when things are good, I'm desperate. When things are bad, I'm desperate. It doesn't matter. My my, my level of being desperate for God is not depending on the, the ebbs and flows of life and situation and circumstances and my emotions and feelings. My dependency on God is because he is my father and I am his son and I've got to stay close to him. So I'm going to be desperate for him when the Razorbacks are winning and I'm going to be desperate for him when they are losing and losing badly. I'm just going to stay desperate for God because I need him. I need him in every season, in every situation. I need God. Another benefit of unanswered prayer is it purifies our hearts. It purifies our hearts. When God is silent, I find that it helps us to rethink our prayers. It makes us question our motives. I think that's a good place to be. It says in James 4, verse 2, you do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you don't receive because you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. I know in my own life, when, when my prayers haven't been answered, a lot of times I rephrase the prayer. So your prayers go from something like, God, let me marry him. Please, God, please, please, please let me marry him. It goes from that to, God, let me marry someone someday. 
Just let me marry the right person. Our prayers go from Jesus, I want to be a leader. I want to be a leader in this place. It changes from that to Jesus. I just want to be a leader and a person of influence no matter where, even if there's no position. I just want to lead. Our prayers go from God, please let my child be an athlete at a Division I university someday. To God, please reveal your plan and purpose to my children. And whatever that is, that's what I want because that's what's best. Our motives change. It helps purify our hearts and just get us back on track. It's a process of doing that. Another benefit of unanswered prayer is it tests our faith. It does. God wants our faith to be strong in him. It says in Luke 18, verse 1, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God and I don't care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me, which is kind of a funny picture if you think about it. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who carry out or who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. Now, you'd have to understand that your definition of quickly and God's definition of quickly may not be the same thing. God lives outside of time and space. It says that a thousand years are like a day and a day is like a thousand years. And we have to keep perspective because a lifetime or all of written history passing is quickly in comparison to eternity. It's nothing in comparison to eternity. So you got to trust God for what quickly means. However, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on the earth? I want to rabbit trail for just a second because this spoke to me so strongly when I got into this because we live in a culture right now where people are insisting on justice. I want justice. I want what's fair. I want what's right. I want what's fair. And they fight and they, and they, and they, they rant and they protest and they, what I want justice. I want fair. And I love what the scripture is saying is because it says when the son of man returned, when Jesus comes back, is he going to find people that still actually had faith that he's the one that brings justice? Is he going to find people that, that in spite of what, what's happening around culture and the injustice that we may see, not that we just sit back and do nothing, but as we're yelling and insisting on justice for ourselves and insisting on what's fair, is he gonna find people that were still saying, but God, I'm gonna trust you to bring justice. I'm gonna trust you. Widows back then, they were powerless. They were like second-rate citizens. Um, They weren't looked after. They weren't cared for. This is one of the things that Jesus was going on and on about. He was talking about how Religion that was pure and holy to him is the kind that takes care of widows and orphans. So once again, there's this major dichotomy that's being created between a judge who has tons of power, tons of influence, but doesn't believe in God, doesn't care about people, and a widow that no one cares about, 
And she's being persistent. And she's being faithful. And she keeps pursuing and pursuing, but believing that God will show up too. So what have you been praying for? Because I think Jesus clearly tells us to keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. Some of you just stop praying. You stop knocking. But God's promise is still true. I find that so often when God isn't answering our prayers when or how we want him to, all of a sudden there's a promise that all of a sudden we feel like we're excluded from. It applies to everyone else, but it doesn't apply to us. And that's just not the case. I would encourage you. God's promises are still true. I would encourage you to start praying for that person again. Maybe you prayed for a long time, but you gave up. Start praying again. Start praying about your dream that God gave you, that you gave up on. Start praying about it again. Start praying the promises of God again over your life, over your family, over your marriage, over your kids, over your career. Start praying again. And as you pray, as you begin to pray again, I want to give you some filters that I think can help you in how to pray. We need filters sometimes. We filter water so it's drinkable. We can get rid of contaminants. We filter coffee so we don't have to drink coffee grinds. And I think sometimes we need filters. Like how, what, what, are, what are the kinds of prayers that we, we should pray? The first filter is pray God's will. Matthew 6.10, your kingdom come, your will be done. So you can come to him with something that you desire, but can you resolve to saying, but God, I want your will. Because ultimately, the perfect prayer is when your will aligns with God's will. That is the perfect prayer. Watchman Nee said it this way, God's purpose for us is to be so filled with his will that we forget about our own interest. That we could be in step with God, in step with the Holy Spirit in such a way that when we come to God and ask for things, we are asking his will on a more consistent base just because we've been in fellowship with him. We've been walking with him. 1 John 5.14 says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked him, asked of him. Another great filter for prayer is God's timing. God's timing. I think when we pray, it's important just to acknowledge that God's timing is perfect and trust him for that. And you may have a timeline and it's okay for you to ask God in regards to your timeline, but can you still trust him for his timeline? Can you trust that he is outside of it looking at the whole timeline and he knows exactly when to show up to give you what you need to bless you? But I find so many people get outside of God's time so they get married before it's time. They quit their jobs before it's time. They move to a different city before it's time. I've made me these mistakes before too when I've just gotten frustrated about God's timing. Before we moved to Cabot, we were living in Conway and our house had been on the market there in Conway for a long time. We had bought a lot in Maumel 
And our plan and what we thought we wanted to do was we were going to move to Maumelle and build a house. And we wanted to get very involved at that campus. And so we put our house up for sale so that we could build a house down in Maumelle. And it sat on the market for over two years. And we were frustrated. Like, God, we keep asking, God, sell our house, sell our house. And then right at, at two years, a little over two years, is when I got the call from Pastor Rick that says, James, would you consider being a campus pastor at our Cabot campus? You see, I believe that if we would have sold our house and we would have gone ahead and went and started building or built a house in Maumelle, I wonder if, if I had gotten the call, if I had gotten the call, where my heart would have been in my willingness to answer the call. If I would have been so rooted in what I thought I wanted and what we thought we wanted and needed in Maumelle, if when the call came, if I would have been willing to leave it. But right after we heard that call and we answered that call, our house sold in Conway. And we were able to move here with no strings attached, ready to do what God had asked us to do in this community. Because God's timing is perfect. And so often I believe that some of us, you are getting what you think you want, but you are getting what you think you want outside of God's timing. And you have no idea just how much you've cut yourself short from his provision and blessing. And I would suggest this. If you feel like there's an area of your life where you have done that, just simply stop and repent. Because I believe he can put grace back on whatever you miss, messed up. I believe that. If you're willing just to come back and say, I, I, I realize I stepped outside of your time. And I want to get back in the middle of it. He'll help you with that. God's timing. In Psalm 27, 14, it says, Wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. This guy named Henry Nowen said it this way. You must be patient until your hands are completely open. And I love that picture because I find that so many of the things that we bring before God in prayer, we hold them like this. God, please fix my child. God, please help me parent them, teach they're in rebellion. God, please. God, my marriage, my career. God doesn't, isn't able to work with things that you still have clutched in your fist. But I find that when we're patient and we have to wait, then we begin to open our hands. And what God is waiting for is not the time that you drop what he's given you, but for what you have to be held in an open hand so he can decide when it's time to work with it. And he can't do that if you think you know what's best and what the timing is and what the provision is. Wait on God. We don't like to wait, though. We hate waiting. We spend a lot of our time waiting. We wait at doctor's offices. We wait in Walmart. We wait in traffic. We wait for the person in front of us at the red box. 
when all we're trying to do is return a freaking DVD and go home. Please be aware of the people that are standing around you. If you're going to be shopping for five discs, let the person behind you simply return the one they have. Off the soapbox, moving on. God's delays are not delays at all. God's delays a lot of times are our protection. It's just God protecting us from ourselves or for something else that we can't even see. Now, I want to encourage you, don't hyper-spiritualize this. If your boyfriend doesn't have a job because he's waiting on God, you drop that brother like he's hot. Just get, move on. If your 12-year-old doesn't want to clean their room because they're waiting on God, send them to their room. Tell them they can't leave and take their phone away and see how long it takes for them to wait on God. Ecclesiastes 3.11. He's made everything beautiful in its time. And the last filter is God's glory. God's glory. God's glory. We don't ever want to just pray for what we want. We want to pray for God's glory because God's glory is ultimately what's going to be best for us too. Psalm 79.9 says, Help us, O God, the God of our salvation. Help us for the glory of your name. John 6, 38, this is Jesus speaking. He said, I, I've come down from heaven not to, I've come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. That's Jesus. In Matthew chapter 26, Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, it's the later half of that chapter. And this is right before Jesus is getting ready to be betrayed and then hauled off to be beaten and, and ultimately crucified. And he says that he comes before God the Father three different times and he asks God, God, is there, if there's, is there any way that this plan can change? Is there any way that I don't have to go through what I'm getting ready to have to go through? Three ter- times, Jesus comes to God the Father and asks him, God, can we do this a different way? But every time he finishes that prayer with, but not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, but yours be done. See, I love how even Jesus gives us permission to lament, to question God, to ask that it comes about in a different way. But he also shows us by example that the best way is always going to be God's way. God's will, not ours. Not what we think is best, but what God wants. It says in Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in to eat with him and him with me. You see, I think what God's highest priority is this. The thing is, you may feel like it's God that's ignoring you. You may feel like you're praying and you're knocking, but in reality, I think a lot of times what's happening is we're ignoring Jesus. And we're ignoring the fact that Jesus wants to be in relationship with us on a daily basis without stopping. He wants us to be in the middle. Jesus wants to be first in our family, first in our marriage, first in our career, first in every area of our life. He wants to be number one. And he is knocking. He's knocking. He's saying, look, if you'll let me come in, and this is what I've noticed, when I'm in that place, my prayers change. Because it doesn't feel like I'm, I'm having to go and knock. I'm just hanging out with him already. And we can have conversation about whether or not 
something should happen or shouldn't happen. But I think it has to start there. I think if you want the creator of the universe to move in your life in whatever way you're asking for him to, this is what I know. Regardless of what he wants to do with those prayers, the only place you find peace, the only place you find joy is in his presence. And it has to start with you answering the door to him and saying, okay, come in. Come into this situation. Come into this marriage. Come into this relationship with my child. Come into this situation. But most importantly, has he completely come into your life? Have you surrendered your life to him? Because if you haven't, it's got to start there. Let's close our eyes, bow our heads. If you're here today and you know you haven't, you've never opened the door and allowed Jesus to come in, to, to, to take up residence in your life, to have control. If you've never invited him to be your Lord and your Savior, and you've just said, look, I, I don't want to live doing my own thing anymore. I, I want to I do what you want me to do. And if you're here today, maybe you did that. Maybe you did that, but it, it feels like at one point or another that you've kind of shut the door and you've distanced yourself from God. Even though he's never left, he's still there and he's still waiting for you to let him in. But maybe you need to rededicate your life to him this morning. If you're either one of those people, I'd love to pray with you today. And if you'd like to be included in this prayer of inviting Jesus to be a part of your life, letting him in, nobody looking around, I'm not gonna embarrass you, I'm not gonna point you out, but if that's you, I just want you to put your hand up right now all over this room. As soon as I see your hand, you can put it down. I see you guys, thank you so much. Yes, right here, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am, yes, sir, yes, yes, sir. Anybody else? Yes, ma'am. Got your way over here on the edge, yes, ma'am. Anybody else? I need to surrender my life to Jesus. Yes, ma'am. Thank you so much. Thanks for being bold. Got it, bro. I saw you. Anybody else? I'm ready to open the door. I want to let Jesus in. I want, I want him to be my Lord and my Savior. I want to come back to him today. Anybody else? Got it. Thank you. Anybody else just kind of wrestling with this decision? I just want to encourage you. You'll never regret just being obedient right now in this moment. Anybody else? Thank you, sir. Got it. I saw you. Thank you. Anybody else? I need a relationship with feel that I just need to wait just a little longer. Somebody's wrestling with this. You raising your hand doesn't get you saved, but you raising your hand is just you showing with a physical act and faith to believe. And I want you to know that you wrestling against the shame of your past and believing that somehow you don't deserve this and that you want it, but, but he can't love you. I want you to know that is a lie from the pit of hell. That is not how God sees you. And he is ready if you're ready, he's willing. Is there anyone else? You're ready to answer that. Thank you. Thank you. 
Father God, I thank you for all those hands that were raised. I thank you that you see them. You see their individual stories. Lord, you brought them to this place today to encounter you, to encounter your presence. I thank you that right now you're listening. You hear them. I just encourage you just to talk to God. Just say something like this. Say, God, here's my life and I know that I've sinned. I know that I've made more mistakes than I can count. And I believe that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. Right now, I ask for your forgiveness for my sin. I believe that you died for my sin. You didn't stay dead. You rose from the grave. You defeated my sin. You defeated death. You rose again. You're preparing a place for every person that calls on your name, who repents. And I confess you right now as my my Lord. I want you to have control. I don't want to live for myself. I don't want to live my plan. I don't want to live my will. I want to understand your will and your plan. Speak to me, God. Help me understand it. Speak to me through your word. Speak to me through other believers, the body of Christ. Speak to me through your Holy Spirit. Thank you today for healing me, for giving me a new life in you. I love you, Lord. Father, let us be a church. that prays, that keeps knocking, that keeps seeking, that perseveres in prayer. Let us be a church and let us be a people who trust you in your faithfulness, for your timing. We know, God, you work everything for good for those who love you are called according to your purpose. We are waiting on your good. There's nothing better than your good. And whatever timing that happens, God, and whatever shape or, or form that it takes. But in the meantime, we're going to keep asking. We're going to keep knocking. We're going to keep seeking. Thank you for empowering us and strengthening us to do that. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Church family, we had a lot of people raise their hand to get right with Jesus. Let's give them a hand this morning.